Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in St. Matthew's Gospel, reading there in the ninth chapter, beginning at the ninth verse. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. This is a beautiful day, and I hope that all of us are glad that we are here in God's house this morning, come to worship him. Today, as you know, is the second Sunday after Trinity. Now, that means we are now in the non-festival half of the church year. We have finished the first half of the church year up to Trinity Sunday when the great festivals occurred. And now, with the Sundays after Trinity, we begin to count them, one, two, and so forth, until we come to the end of the church year, to the Advent season, when we open another church year. The text that I just read contains one of the shocking statements of Jesus. It's one of those statements that when you and I hear it and we begin to say to ourselves, what does it mean? Uh, that we say, that offends me. We say to ourselves, that upsets me. Uh, that is something that is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's a cutting thing. That insults me. Uh, that upsets me and troubles me. It was one of those shockers. And he made that statement up in Capernaum in Galilee in the home of a man by the name of Matthew. This was in the first year of his ministry when Jesus was out gathering the twelve. And this is the way it happened. He was up there on the coast there of the Sea of Galilee and he, while in Capernaum, he walked by the tax office and seated in the tax office was a tax collector by the name of Matthew and Jesus said to him follow me and this tax collector followed Jesus he must have known him before and must have heard of him but this man Matthew was a tax collector and that means that in the day of Jesus he was known as being amongst the scum of the earth he was one of the rats one of the skunks of Jesus day his own countrymen despised the tax collector. Uh, they were the Benedict Arnolds. They were the Quislings. Uh, they were the traitors that had turned on their own people and had gone to work for the government that had overcome them, the Romans, and had become tax collectors. And they were working for the enemy and they were gouging their own people, being very dishonest. He was one of the skunks. He was one of the rats. And Jesus called him to follow him. And then this rat, this skunk, Matthew, as he was looked upon by his own fellow men, he gave a banquet in his home and he invited some of the other skunks, the other tax collectors, these scum of the earth and the notorious sinners of the city of Capernaum. He invited them to his home and then he invited Jesus and the followers that Jesus had at the time. 
And as Jesus went and accepted that invitation, here were the Pharisees. They were the holier-than-thou individuals of Jesus' day. These were the ones who looked upon their lives as being just wonderful, being real good, very, very perfect, absolutely impeccable, without any kind of sin. Their lives, they thought, were guiltless. Their lives were absolutely uh, guilty of nothing in kinds of frailty or of faults. And then they saw in this home of this man, Matthew, Jesus, and his disciples eating with the individuals like they were with, uh, they went to the disciples and said, and this is your master, you mean to say uh, that he eats, he mixes with tax collectors and with men of ill repute as you've got here. And Jesus overheard it. And then he turned to these Pharisees and he said, Remember, he said, those that are well don't need a physician, but only those that are sick. And he said, And go and find out what God means when God says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. And then he made this statement that is a shocker, that is something that cuts, it is something that wounds, it offends you and me. And we say to ourselves, it just can't be true. He turned to them and he said, Pharisees, he says, I am not come. He says to call the righteous... To repentance, he said, but I am come to call sinners to repentance and life and salvation. Do you ever ask yourself just what that means? You talk about a shocking statement. Jesus turned to them and he said, listen, he said, I am come not to call to life and salvation, not to call the righteous good people. I didn't come into the world to call perfect people, those without fault and those without frailty. I didn't come to call those who again are spiritually healthy and whole and perfect. Not at all. I came into the world to call only sinners. I came into the world only to call those that are spiritually diseased, that are spiritually polluted, that are spiritually untouchables. Those are the ones that I came into the world to call to life and salvation. I came into the world not to call righteous and good and perfect people, no sir. I came into the world to call to heaven and eternal life sinful people, those that are spiritually diseased. And today Jesus speaks to you and me from the word of God, from the home of Matthew, who was again in that day a skunk and a rat. And Jesus says to you and me, this statement that really cuts and it's a shocker and it wounds. And Jesus assures you and me this morning that he came into the world to call to life and salvation not the righteous, not the good, not the perfect, and not those that are spiritual. But he says, not at all. I came to call those that are spiritually diseased and those that are spiritually polluted. And you and I may say that's one of the statements of Jesus that's pretty hard to accept and hard to swallow because you and I will say to ourselves, that cuts. You mean to say he didn't come to call good people? He didn't call, come to call nice people? He didn't come to call those that are spiritually whole, these that are absolutely perfect and faultless and without sin and without guilt, that he came only to call the spiritually diseased? And we may say to ourselves, why, that's ridiculous, that's preposterous, that can't be. And that kind of cuts, it jabs us, doesn't it? Makes us angry. And we say, uh, that simply offends me, that cuts me to the quick, and I don't want to believe that. And yet that's what Jesus said that day. And when it shocks you and me, which is what it's supposed to do, Christ assures you and me that whether we like it or not, 
that this is why he came not to call to life and salvation righteous and good and perfect people, but only to come and to call to eternal life and salvation only those that are spiritually polluted and diseased and infected. And all for this reason that he would remind you and me this morning that the reason for that coming only for sinners is because Jesus would tell you and me there just is no other kind but sinners. There isn't such a thing as a righteous, as a good, as a sinless person. Jesus would remind you and me this morning that that's a non-existent breed. There isn't such a species as a good and as a perfect and as a spiritually sinless individual. And that's why Jesus said that day, I didn't come to call spiritually whole and healthy people. There just isn't such a thing. In other words, Jesus says to you and me this morning, there isn't anyone on earth that is spiritually whole. That's why when I came, I came only to call the spiritually polluted. We may say to ourselves, is that true uh, that there is no species of a good, of a righteous, of a perfect person? Is that true? And that cuts, doesn't it? And that galls some of us. We may say, well, I know a lot of good and a lot of righteous and a lot of fine and faultless people. Of whom are you thinking? Yourself? May I say, Jesus says, that's a non-existent species. There is absolutely no breed like that on the face of the earth. Let's look at it this morning. You and I may say to ourselves, you mean to say there isn't such a thing as a righteous, good, perfect, spiritually whole person? Jesus says, not at all. That's why I didn't come to call them to life and salvation. There isn't anyone like it, but he says, I've come exclusively for sinners, including the rats and the skunks. Because in the first place, he would remind you and me of this and assure us that all of us, without exception, have been born and conceived in sin. Oh, you and I this morning may say, that digs. Maybe that statement is one that has bothered us for a long time. We say, how does it come that he didn't come to call righteous good people to life and salvation? Oh, in your estimation and mine, we may feel that we are quite just the way we ought to be. We may be like the Pharisee. And we may say that after all, I thank God that I am not like others. And we may say, I am one. My life is impeccable. My life is good. It's the best that I can do. But what does God say? Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night? And he was talking about having to be born again. And Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. He said, you're born of flesh and that means you're flesh and you've got to be born again. Something's got to happen to you besides natural birth. Then the word of God also says, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all had sinned. The word of God says, as by Adam sin came into the world and death came to us because all of us have sinned. The word of God says that there isn't such a species, there isn't such a breed as a righteous and perfect person because all of us, by birth, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, we came into the world as sinners. Not that we have done something wrong in birth, but we came in a condition of sin. We are all spiritually polluted individuals 
by the very act of natural birth coming from the sin of our first parents when they fell into sin. And that isn't hard to prove. There are those that say everybody, a child is innocent until it learns right from wrong. A child does wrong even before it even learns what right and wrong is. And I think of the mother again who had a three-year-and-a-half-old little girl. She called me and said, my child just lied to me. My child has never heard a lie in her life. My child doesn't know what a lie is, but she did, and it was a very simple thing. Mother had baked a cake for Berean class, and the child had taken a piece of cake, and the mother saw it missing, and the mother said to the little girl, did you take that cake? And the little child said, no, and the child turned around. The cake was in her hand. Who taught the child to lie? She had never heard the word, but she lied. Why? Because she was a born liar. No one ever taught you and me how to lie. No one ever taught you and me how to hate. You didn't have to take a lesson. The word of God says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Jesus says the reason why it may cut you, it may insult you, it may shock you, but he says I didn't come into the world to save righteous people, good people. There isn't such a thing. There never was since the fall of Adam and Eve. And therefore, because you and I have come into the world polluted by sin, we are not righteous. There isn't such a species on earth. And therefore, you and I all belong to the same breed. We are all spiritually polluted, subject to death and to eternal damnation. Why do you and I die? Why is it that death has come upon you and me and that all of us are mortal? It's because of original sin, the sin of origin. God never intended that you and I die. But we die because we came into the world not as righteous, perfect individuals. There isn't such a species and such a breed. That's why Jesus said that day as he spoke from the house of Levi Matthew. He says, I didn't come he says to call righteous, good people, perfect people to life and salvation, not at all. I came only to call polluted sinners because it's the only kind there is. And that's why this morning, even though it may cut and sharper than a two-edged sword, it may insult us. And we may say, again, that hurts and that offends me. We have to say to ourselves, oh, this is true. Jesus, when he came into the world, he did not come to bring life and salvation for righteous, good, sinless, guiltless individuals because there just isn't such a thing on earth as a righteous person without sin. When you and I believe that, then we ought to stop and say to ourselves, am I perhaps deluding myself in my life in making myself think that I belong to a non-existent breed? We ought to stop once in a while and say to ourselves, just how self-righteous do I think I am? Do I think I'm just about the finest thing that ever happened, that I'm without guilt, I'm without sin, and that I'm good, and that therefore, because I am so perfect that I'm all right just the way I am? Look at the Pharisees that day when, again, they looked at Jesus because they were so infested with a sense of their own worth and of their own goodness, they criticized him. They said, imagine, do you mean to say that this is your master, this is your teacher, and he cavorts and he goes out and he eats with such riffraff, with the skunks and the rats of society? Jesus, when he went to the home of Levi and Matthew, he didn't go there to simply put himself on their level. When he was with the men of ill repute, it was there to bring them up to his level. And that's why he turned to the Pharisees, the holier than thou's, and he said, where does the doctor go? Does he go to well people? Does he go to sick people? In other words, these are the sick, and that's where I'm going as the physician. And he also said, why don't you learn what it means that God wants mercy and not sacrifice? In other words, says, God doesn't want you to go through the rigmarole, you Pharisees, of your religious life without showing mercy and kindness to your fellow men. 
God is delighted in mercy and in love. God isn't satisfied just with a rigmarole of religion when it doesn't mean anything. You know, Satan has two ways to get your soul and mind. The one is to lead us into all kinds of sin that we come to despondency and despair. And the other is to sell us on the idea that we are so good, we are so perfect, we are so wonderful. Again, we are such righteous individuals that we don't need Christ, we don't need anything. We are just all right the way we are. But all oh, the tragedy, if you and I may be deluding ourselves into thinking we belong to a species that doesn't even exist, there isn't such a thing as a righteous, perfect person, one who is spiritually whole and who is guiltless and sinless. And if we're deluding ourselves this morning, we ought to stop it because I can think of no greater tragedy than the tragedy of you and me entering death, thinking that we're saved because look who we are. Look how wonderful our life has been only to have Jesus on the day of our death say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Can you imagine any disappointment greater than to think that we are saved and deluding ourselves that we are only to stand before our Lord and have him say to us, Again, you belong to a non-existent species. You are not righteous. You are not good. No wonder it hurt that day, but Jesus again, when he was in the home of Levi Matthew, he spoke a statement. This is the thing that bothers some Christians today, and they say, I, I don't see how he could have said it, that he didn't come uh, to save righteous, good people, the spiritually whole, but he came only and exclusively for those that are spiritually diseased and spiritually polluted. Yes, those that are spiritually despoiled. And Jesus says, oh, that's right, I came only for the spiritually unhealthy because that's the only kind there really is. And you and I say, you mean to say that there are no good, fine, righteous, perfect individuals? Jesus says that's a non-existent species. That's a non-existent breed because in the second place, Christ assures us that all of us Without exception whatsoever, we have all broken God's law. Oh, we may this morning sit in church and look who I am. Oh, I'm a wonderful person. I'm telling you, I'm a righteous, I'm a good person. And look, I'm impeccable. I, why, surely, Jesus, surely, first of all, would come to call me to life and salvation. Have you and I ever looked at ourselves as God sees us? Did we ever compare ourselves with the Ten Commandments? We say, well, uh, many of us, we say, well, my religion is the Ten Commandments. I live according to the Ten Commandments. Do we? What does God say in the Ten Commandments when God says, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Don't forget he has said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Is there anyone here who can say, I have put God first in my life always? His will has been paramount. I have never done my will when my will was opposed to his will. I've always done his will. I have done it 100% worth and you and I would be a liar if we said that. And then God says, whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of it all. Where is this righteousness according to the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Anyone here who has not used God's name in vain, you and I are righteous and perfect according to the law. We stand with a score of zero. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Anyone here who hasn't despised God's name, God says, Thou shalt honor thy father and mother. Anybody here who has not despised his parents and has not honored them as he should, God says, Thou shalt not kill. Anybody who hasn't hated, we've broken that law. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Anybody here who has not had impure thoughts in his own mind and has spoken impure words, God says, You haven't kept my law. 
Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his cattle, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. When you and I turn to the word of God, we say to ourselves, as we see ourselves as God sees us, no wonder there is a non-existent breed, and that's the righteous, perfect, holy individual. Jesus says, that species, that kind, doesn't exist. And that's why I didn't come to call them, because there isn't anyone who is holy. No, to hit in your life and mine, to hit it our pride, to hit it our sense of self-righteousness. Brother, that hurts. And that cuts, doesn't it? Because we, we like to look at ourselves as, but the best thing that ever happened, just like the Pharisees when they again went and looked into the home of that skunk and that rat Levi Matthew who was the scum of the earth he was a tax collector he was a quizzling he was a Benedict Arnold and they looked with askance at his master and that's the kind of a master you have no wonder Jesus said I didn't come to save righteous people spiritually whole and perfect the reason is very simple because there just isn't any kind of a person like that. And because we have all been lawbreakers, therefore we are all in the same class. We are all of the same breed. That means that we are all spiritually polluted, again, demanding that God's justice condemn you and me to eternity in hell. What can God's justice do for you and me but to condemn us? There isn't anyone here this morning or within the sound of my voice or on this earth but what he deserves, the justice of God. The soul that sinneth it shall die. No wonder, oh, it may be a shocker. When Jesus said it that day up in the home of Levi Matthew up in Capernaum, it may be a shocker, but it's true. Jesus didn't come to call to life and salvation of those that are righteous and perfect and pompous and holy and without sin. He came only to call those that are spiritually polluted, those that are spiritually diseased. And if we believed that this morning, then we would say to ourselves, the thing that is vital in my life, first of all, is that I must come to a conviction that I am a spiritually polluted person. We may say, how do you get rid of self-righteousness? How do you get rid of this feeling uh, look who I am, Lord. I'm just about the finest thing that ever happened. I'm so good. I am so perfect. I am so guiltless. I am so false. How do you get rid of it? i tell you how to get rid of it. Let's stop this morning of comparing ourselves with others. Whenever you and I compare our lives with others, we always pick some bum that's a lot worse than we are, don't we? Then we come out on top. Let's compare ourselves not with others, but let's compare ourselves with God's law. When we stand and look at the law, that's the answer. Then there comes a conviction uh, that there is a non-existent species in this world. There's a non-existent breed, and that is the righteous, the perfect man. He just doesn't exist. Because when we let God speak to us, then like St. Paul, you know, Paul bragged, he said, I am not only a Pharisee, but I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. When he was talking about himself, he said, Boy, I am not only a Pharisee, a holier than thou, but I am holier than the holier than thou. That's the kind of a life that guy lived. And he said, I didn't know what sin was except the law, the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not covet. When Paul turned to the law of God, 
And then he got his eyes open. Oh, it cut him to beat the band. Then he cried out, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? But when you and I can cry out and say, Oh, wretched man that I am, a polluted individual, I am a sinner, I'm lost and damned, and we can cry out and say, God, there's gone from me the sense of self-righteousness, well, then there is this comfort that after all Christ is calling you and me and there's still hope. There is still hope. God pity us when we go through life. We've got this pompous feeling, look who I am. Righteous. I'm good. I'm noble. I'm perfect. Jesus says, I didn't come into the world to call to repentance and life and salvation righteous people, spiritually whole and perfect. Not at all. I came only to call one kind of person the spiritually polluted and the spiritually diseased, including the rats, including the skunks. We may say, well, that's a hard saying. It's rough, isn't it? No wonder the Pharisees became very angry that day, but that's what he said. We may say when he assures us this morning with that saying that just sort of shocks us, and we say, I don't like it. I can't see why, again, good people and perfect shouldn't have been first. This is the one that he should have come first of all. But he didn't come to save righteous. No, he says, I came to save sinners, sinful people, not guiltless people, and not those without fault or frailty, because Christ assures us also that all of us, without exception, we need his righteousness because we have no righteousness of our own for our salvation. Oh, it's a very, very difficult thing to get a sense of righteousness out of our hearts, isn't it? We say to ourselves, well, surely all the good that I've done, uh, shouldn't that merit salvation for me? What's the Word of God say? The Word of God says there's not a just man upon earth. There's not a righteous man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And then it says all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. God says, take the best thing that you've ever done, the finest thing that you've ever done, and God says, in the sense of perfectness, it is nothing but a filthy rag. And if the best thing that you and I have ever done in life is a filthy rag, pray, God, what do the worst things look like in your life and mine? Well, therefore, Jesus would remind you and me that even though it cuts and it's sharper than a two-edged sword and upsets and it insults us and it offends us, Christ says, there is a non-existent species, and that's the righteous man. The man without sin, the man without fault. And therefore, you and I have no righteousness that we can offer God for salvation. We have to have his. And that's why he came. Oh, he came to give his life on Calvary for everybody because we're all in the same boat. The non-existent species is the good and the perfect man. Jesus came and when he, the Son of God, came out of the ivory palace into the world of sin and he went to Calvary's cross, he bore our guilt and he bore our punishment for us. And he merited the only perfect righteousness that we know anything about. Here is perfect righteousness. And he earned it vicariously as our substitute for you and me. The only righteousness that God knows anything about is not anything in your life and mine, but what he has provided in the person of his Son. And therefore, Jesus assures you and me that, again, no one is righteous and perfect in his sight. And therefore, again, we are all in need of that perfect righteousness. And only until the time comes when we accept his righteousness and we drink it, only then do we get rid of our spiritual pollution 
And only then is that spiritual disease taken away when we drink the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Word of God talks about of the water that is free. It talks about the balm in Gilead. Think of the righteousness of Christ as a tremendous panacea. That when you and I drink that perfect righteousness, regardless of what kind of sinners we are, regardless of whether we're a rat or a skunk or what we look like, when we drink the righteousness of Jesus Christ through faith in him, there's the panacea. That's what takes away pollution. That's what takes away spiritual disease. That's what makes you and me whole in the sight of God because he came. And it ought to mean this in your life and mine. When we look up and we say, what a statement he made that day over in Capernaum in the home of Levi Matthew, one of the skunks, one of the rats of his day, the scum of the earth. It hurts when we say it cuts. But oh, you know, we ought to take a look at it again and we ought to say to ourselves, but it's a beautiful thing because the fact that he came only to save the spiritual polluted that means he came to save you. He came to save me. And what comfort. That means that when he calls, we ought to turn to him without hesitation. We ought to turn to him joyously and with confidence, regardless of how our life looks. To me, it's a tremendous comfort to know that he came for those that are spiritually polluted because I know then he came and he died for me. I know that he's got a panacea for me because uh, that fits me. There was Matthew. Oh, he was a tax collector. He was crookeder than a dog's hind leg. And he knew it. But here was the Lord, the Messiah, that came and said, Matthew, you follow me. And Matthew followed him. He was one of those skunks that again realized, there's my Lord and my Savior. Called himself Matthew. He had another name, Levi. We don't know whether he had both names, and a lot of people did, whether it was Levi and Matthew. But he calls himself Matthew. He loved that name. The name Matthew, Hebrew name, it means gift of Jehovah. We have it in our name, Theodore, which is Greek, Theos and Dora, gift of God, or Dorothy, as you turn it around, Dorothy, gift of God. He liked the name Matthew, a gift of God. He came into a living union with Jesus Christ. Here was the Lord that called him one of the scum of the earth, and he became one of the twelve. He wrote this gospel. Jesus honored him, the first gospel in the New Testament, written by Matthew the skunk, Matthew the rat, became one of the twelve because he realized as he looked at Christ, he came to save the spiritual polluted. Matthew knew he was so spiritual. Look at Paul. Paul said, he called me as the one born out of due time. He says, because I am, he says, I am the least of all the apostles because I persecuted the church of God. Paul said, I am the chief. Paul said, I am the greatest sinner that ever lived. How could Paul ever turn to him and answer the call of Jesus? Because when Paul realized that Christ came only for the spiritually polluted, then Paul said, that means he came for me. And he who was the chief of sinners, he turned to Jesus. And he saw something beautiful in that Christ again, who came not to call righteous, the holier than thou's, the perfect, but only to call sinners, because that's the only breed there is. 
And oh, when we can believe that, what a comfort it is, even when we have, again, we have sinned so greatly. I'll never forget just what comfort this means when very early one morning I was called to go to the home of my friend, and I was told that he had shot and killed his wife. It was one of those dark nights, and it had rained in the night, and this was a man that always slept with a gun under his pillow. He always said no one would ever rob his home. And in the middle of the night, when it was thundering and lightning and raining, his wife went out to the kitchen to close the window. And he heard the window close, and sleeping, he reached for his gun, and he went from the bedroom to the kitchen, and he could just see the form of a human being. And he thought, of course, it was somebody coming in the window, and he shot. And as he did, she yelled out, My God, Ed, it's me. And she dropped, and she never spoke another word. And I went down to see him. Can you imagine what a man would feel like? And I stood at the casket with him a long, long time. And he would stand there, and he'd lift her out of the casket. And he'd hold her in his arms, and he'd say, Soph, just, just speak. Just say to me, you forgive me. And that's what he pled for hour after hour. Just, just say, you forgive me. I could say to a man like that, even though she couldn't say, I forgive you. Nevertheless, I know a Lord that came. And he came only to save sinners. And even when we've done things we can't undo, and you can't roll back time, it's done. I know a Lord who spoke up in Capernaum one day in the home of Levi Matthew, a skunk. And he said, I came... Not to save the righteous, the perfect, but I came to save the spiritually polluted. He's the one because I forgive you. Everything is all right. I wipe from my memory whatever you've done. That's comfort, friend. There isn't anyone beyond the pale of divine grace. He is the one who calls to you and me softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See, on the portals, he's watching and waiting, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. You and I can come home. I care not what we are. I care not what we've done. I care not how irrevocable it is what we've done. I know a master who stood up in the home of a Levi Matthew up in Capernaum, in the home of a man that was looked upon as a rat and a skunk, and who said, I call you. I didn't come to save righteous and perfect people. There just isn't anyone like that. I came to call you. Thank God that he came to call you and me. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.